That's what I'm saying. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. All right. All right. All I right. think we, we got it. All right. Well, I'm excited today because I get to talk to my good friend, Liz, who I've known for a number of years in a number of capacities. Um, she's uh, a fantastic director of photography. She's a good friend. Uh, you know, she's helped me make Fetch happen over the years. I've tried many times. Uh, that's a Mean Girls reference in case you don't want to know. Um, but she's also an instructor at a school in uh, down south for video production and, or rather uh, film production. And uh, she's had a quite uh, long an interesting resume of cool stuff in film and TV. And uh, the way that I met her was we worked on a film in Boston. But she's been on set for folks as fancy as uh, Martin Scorsese and Quentin Tarantino and John Favreau, who's done The Mandalorian, and one of my favorite films, Elf, and one of my favorite films from the 90s, Swingers, which uh, didn't age very well, frankly. Uh, and then she's moved on to do, um, well, in that time, she's, she's done, uh, she's been a director of photography and cinematographer for shorts and features. She, she did, she's kind enough to help me out on my very first short film, which was a, <laughs> was before I, before I was knew what I was doing, frankly. So I always appreciate her for that. She's done work, um, like I said, in studio films, in indie films. She's uh, worked for a number of years in unscripted or reality TV, as some folks call it, um, for a number of shows I'm sure you've heard of. Um, and so welcome to the show, Liz. Thank you. Hi. It's good to be here with my Thank friend you. Jed. <laughs> So yeah, have you, have you, I think you are one of our two, we have Doug as one uh, listener of our show. And I think you've seen, or you've listened to an episode of the show before, correct? I have. So you, and, and if that wasn't enough, you've known me for a number of years. So I imagine you know what you're in for. So thanks again for being here. Uh, I know the so Jed you, show well. I don't know that's what I'm saying quite as well. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. You know the Jed show. Uh, well, you're a you're a key you're a key uh, uh, player in the Jed show. So uh, you know I always appreciate your 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 guest appearances. So thank you. Um, so yes, the you know just to be clear or to, just to make things simple, the the purpose of this podcast is to uh, get to know different different folks from different areas of um, my life, but also just interesting jobs and interesting humans who I think have an interesting story to share. Um, and then also uh, kind of as a, in a in, through that process to see if there's any um, tips or suggestions or pieces of advice for folks who are interested in the areas that the guests are in um, or your tips or advice on just how to get through this thing we call life. Um, so yeah, with that in mind, I guess I'll just jump in. Uh, are you ready, Liz? I, I'm as ready as I'm going to be. <laughs> All right. Well, so can you tell me a little bit about like, um, you know, kind of an elevator pitch of like kind of where you are right now in your life in terms of like career wise and maybe a little bit of, of how you got here? <laughs> oh, the elevator pitch. Well, I guess <laughs> I would say I have quite a bit of uh, shooting camera experience under my belt at this point in all sorts of genres. Um, I, I went to film school, but uh, mostly I've just worked a lot on some features and TV shows and everything. And I am at the moment uh, teaching a full course load at Savannah College of Art and Design in Atlanta um, of film classes. So I'm sort of at an interesting point where 
I feel like on the one hand, I'm still striving with my camera work. And on the other hand, I'm starting to try and give back a little with uh, new up and coming filmmakers. And podcasters too. So that's nice. (laughs) (laughs) So when we first met, it was on the set of an indie film in Boston. And um, I can think of, I, I can't think of like anything specific that I learned from that, but like, were there, were there any like sort of things you learned on like when you were first on a, like an indie movie set that happened then, or if it didn't, are there things that you would recommend people do if they're like on their first shoot of any kind? Like, are there like set etiquette pieces of advice or like little nuggets you might want to offer people like first time, like I've just, I'm stepping on set and I'm here to be a grip. Yeah. I mean, I definitely remember some awkward moments of those first times being on set, Um, especially like I was I was an intern also. And I remember it more from this because it was a union set that I went on to for the first time as an intern. And uh, I made the mistake of of grabbing an Apple box without asking the grip department. That's almost as bad as like walking up to the star of a movie and just talking to them as a PA without like starting something like you just don't do certain things. Um, So it's weird because what you find out is that you have to find that perfect balance of like being quiet enough to not do too many of those things to get kicked off set, but still be there enough to be useful because then that goes back to what we've talked about with like you want to be you want to be Johnny on the spot like you want to be there you want to have the energy but you also don't want to just go around like fumbling. So yeah, that was a big thing. Um, And that even happened later than when I was on a uh, I think <laughs> you were talking about John Favreau. Uh, if you remember, I was on Zathura, the, his his little yes. Jumanji in space follow up, right? So that was another set where I learned a lesson. I was a camera intern, PA person. It was kind of like one of those amorphous titles because I wasn't uh, skilled enough to be like a proper camera department person yet. But I was also taking stills. This was right before everything started being digitally integrated. So we were still shooting film. We were trying to get looks to the um, to Photochem, to the film developer every night so that they would, would be able to do sort of like an instant color timing, which was like very, very amazing for the time. But it meant I was there having to like elbow out the actual still photographer and be there and take a picture of every scene like right when they're about to roll. And it was like the most stress I've ever had in my life. And the first day I did such a bad job that the dolly grip purposely rode over my toe to show me that I was in the wrong place. So that's memorable. We we became good friends later. (laughs) I mean, you know, having a a, a road within city limits, that ain't legal. That ain't legal neither. Exactly. Sorry, I know I was rambling, but like those moments stick with you, but you you get through them and you learn. You don't make that mistake again. (laughs) Yeah, I would bet when a a dolly grip rolls over your toe. So, you know, this is a big question I I get a lot or that I hear a lot from DPs. And it's it's the aspiring or they're DPs, but like, you know, they're young folk in the trying to move on up is that the question is like, is it is there value in working at like a rental house like other than getting a paycheck oh man that's sort of that's almost uh like the um the film school question which is like of course there's value um in my case i met a camera assistant while i was working at the rental house who ended up um 
taking me out on shoots. And that's how I ended up getting uh, a lot of my first camera assistant jobs. And still to this day, my biggest um, camera assistant jobs because he was on a big film crew. And um, so I would never have had that opportunity if I weren't working in the rental house, taking care of their gear all the time for the movies. And then eventually they took me out on a, in the field on a shoot. That still happens. It can be a long road for people who don't even want to do that, you know? Um, it's kind of like I was, when I was interning and working uh, on commercials as a PA, uh, that was the track that was taking me towards coordinating and production managing. And they offered, a few times I was offered to move up and I realized, why am I doing this? I don't even want to be in production. I want to do camera. So then let's talk about like working on a fancy set. Is it... Is it, I don't mean like, did you learn any like nuggets of like, oh, so-and-so did this and you wouldn't believe it. I mean, like, are there, these days I feel like equipment is so kind of, um, is so available, you know, in some shoots people are just are not really good at what they do. But like, I guess the question I have is like, when it comes to like working with top, working on top tier productions and working on kind of mid-level or like local productions, do you really learn that much more on a fancy studio set than you would on like a run and gun, you know, professional set of people who've been in it at the game for 30 years? Yeah, well, and I think we were talking about it in the context of like, can you learn a lot or something different from a big, from a, a big, huge, uh, major set? And I would say, yes, absolutely. Um, even just being a PA on a huge set was just something that kind of, blew my mind just seeing people at the top of their game. So yes, I was just a PA and yes, I wasn't even on necessarily for the whole movie, but for those few months, it was very eye-opening to me. It's just like a wonderful sight to see people who are that good at something putting together yeah. a movie. Yeah. No, and, and, so and if I, and you don't I, learn that much, it's worth having that in your brain just so that forever you know that that's possible. Yes, no, that's the thing right there. That, that like it, it expands your horizons. Yeah, so that's that's awesome. That's a great answer. And so let's right. talk about, uh, you don't have to like, you know, you know, it, let's put it this way. So, you know, when you talk about going to film school, um, you know, and getting your master's, obviously there's, there's some credential value to that and there's some experiential value to that. Do you feel that going to film school taught you things that you wouldn't normally, or you wouldn't have found out just by, you know, working in production on your own? Yeah, I mean, for me, it definitely was, uh, was a good experience in that way. I definitely did learn. I think part of it was being able to learn a lot of every facet of filmmaking much faster because you're just doing all of it and you have a safety net, you know? That's what school is, is the safety net. If you start off um, making your own productions, then you don't have the perspective of uh, kind of like necessarily get having a, a fair playing ground, you know, like everyone's starting off in film school and you all can equally criticize each other's films because you're all filmmakers. But if all you do is make your own films, then everyone kind of has to agree with your vision to a certain degree. So you lose that sort of objectivity from other people when you're still learning. The other thing is for someone like me, who was a little bit more timid as far as just like, jumping in and trying to just like do everything at once, I felt like I did need the safety net part of it on this, in the sense of I tried a lot more things 
um, and was much bolder with, with other approaching other classmates and everything and being like, I can do this. I'll help you with that. Because I knew that if I wasn't perfect at it, it was okay. Cause I'm in school. So there's those two things I think are big. Um, also, you know, uh, finding those people in the first place, you're right that a lot of times it does sort of like give you a group of people who, you know, have at least something in common with you already. And that can be a lot, take a lot longer to find if you're just out there on your own one individual, you know, that's why partnerships work so well. So if you already have one other person, that's a way bigger difference. You know, like if you're like, I'm by myself and I want to make movies, then I think school can help you a ton. If you're like me and my film partner here are going to just take out, take the world by storm, you might be fine. <laughs> I don't know. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I'm just nodding my head and smiling because I have a tendency to talk, so I'm trying to be quiet. So, so this is a, this is a, I want to prepare you for kind of a, a not a sad question, but a, a bit of a sadness to it is that, uh, so I've worked on one uh, unscripted, you know, reality TV show in my life. Um, and what's funny or what's interesting is that um, the, the guy who got me on it, um, as you know, recently passed away, um, and the late, great Nate Cohen. Um, and what was interesting is that I'd never, I'd seen the show once, like three years or four years ago, whatever it came on. And I just, I, I have cable or like, you know, whatever, like Xfinity or, or Fios or whatever. And I never go through the channels that have reality shows on it. I just, it's not my interest. And just literally like a week ago, I was flipping through and wouldn't you know it, you know, the show that I was on or that I worked on was on at the exact same time as a movie that I saw with Nate after that yeah. show was recorded was on at the same time. So I took that as like a little bit of a sign. Yeah. I don't know what it means exactly, but I was like, what are the odds? Like I never go through this, this neighborhood of channels and my show is on. And the show that I kind of skimmed away from was this or flipped away from was the movie that we saw with the host and himself after that actual episode was shot. Um, but I was, I, I was only filling in as like a PA. Like I had, I had graduated to not being a PA, but I needed money and I was, what the heck, what do I care? Mm -hmm. um, and I was just, you know, I was, I was uh, working part-time and stuff like this. So I was like, all right, I'll do it. And it was, it was some of the most, most fun I had in my life. Cause I got to be kind of like a, like a fly on the wall almost. But I just, I, I do also think that like, working in unscripted is a different uh, kettle of fish, a different beast than working in commercial or indie or studio films or, you know, scripted television, for example. And so I guess the question I have for you is how, how was the transition from doing um, mainly scripted or commercial work uh, to kind of getting more of a foothold into unscripted and reality TV? Well, I mean, the transition from scripted to uh, unscripted is pretty easy. In the reverse, it's almost impossible. <laughs> um, it was a little jarring, actually, because it is just different. Um, it's just a, a different way of shooting and not having done that much in documentaries. Um, you know, all the documentaries I had worked on when I was doing scripted were all like teeny tiny, you know, where it's like two or three people. So it's not the same as having a, a documentary crew. Maybe that would have prepared me a little more, but um, shooting 360 degrees for hours on end instead of 
shooting for 10 minutes with a take and then you reset and all that. It was a real big uh, change for me just on how to behave on set. But um, also just uh, the sort of paths that people take to get into positions like moving up in unscripted TV happens a lot faster. So you have a lot of people with the same title who have different skill levels. Um, and that happens a lot. And so uh, a lot of times you just end up having these crews and from show to show things look the same on the call sheet. They have the same number of people and titles, but then the structure of it is very different because people actually have kind of different wheelhouses that they're good at. So it's not quite the same. So um, do you remember how we met at all? Like back in the day, you and I? I, I remember the movie. I don't remember meeting. I just remember a specific day that was already well into the movie where we were sitting, waiting for some, whatever PAs were wait for during the day. And uh, there were flowers and you just, I don't know, there was like a lull in the conversation and it was just <laughs> silent. And then you said, look at that hibiscus. And I was like, all right, <laughs> this guy's weird. I like it. <laughs> I didn't remember to be honest I, I just remember I've always remembered you sort of being a part of the story um and so that's sort of the fun of this stuff is that like and we can kind of go through this chronologically but you know from that <laughs> that guy is weird I mean let, let's talk about you more than more than anything about it but like in that time because this is the thing like a lot of people as much as I was a, you know a number of years ago a number of people listening to this um, are either in that same world where they're just starting out or uh, haven't even thought that they could get into indie film or, or, or studio film or unscripted or, you know, any things that you've done. And so when you look back and kind of how your journey has been, um, are there like, would you, did, would you ever think that you would end up where you are now? I guess is the, is the first question. Well, Oh man, I mean, this exact spot for sure, no. Uh, there's no chance that I could have predicted not only being here, but any of the things that happened between that time and now. It's just a zigzag pattern. And it's such a cliche, but it's actually true. Yeah, and see, that's the thing that I was trying to, you know, that I'm trying to drive at is because I, I feel like, like it's, it's like a friend of mine won a bunch of awards and, you know, she was kind of saying, oh, what's the big deal? I was like, well, you know, my friend, I don't want to use their name, um, like you're saying that because you won the awards already, right? When you haven't won those awards, it's doesn't, it's not like, it's not as clear to you or it's not as like, it doesn't, you know, if you haven't won those, haven't done something yet, then it, you don't have any frame of reference to understand whether it's like, you know, the way it's going to go. So I guess the, the thing I would say is that like, if you had to give people advice who were you know, not sure about like either getting into film through film school or by volunteering or weren't sure to make the leap to go to LA or weren't sure that like working in production was the thing for them. And you can use any one of those things I mentioned, but just in general, like if people are unsure about, you know, taking the, the leap as it were, do you have any advice or suggestions or stories you might share that might help them guide them? Uh, maybe. I mean, one thing that's, you know, the case is like, it's, it's not really that useful to ask anyone about their specific story, not only because everyone's story is different, but because the whole landscape changes every five years. So literally, unless you just started, in which case you're probably still just starting, 
uh, you're not gonna have the advice that's gonna be the key to the person who's starting out now. But some things are kind of universal across the board. Like I have finally really, it really drives it home. You know, when you're starting out, everyone's like, just work hard and, and be positive and everyone will want you around. And you think, well, that seems like kind of vague bullshit, right? So, sorry, I'm, I don't know if- No, you're, you're not swear. Yeah, every, everybody, <laughs> every one of my guests has sworn so far. So you're, you're, in, you're in good company. <laughs> it just seems so vague and useless. But it turns out that then when you're the person scrambling around, one of your team drops out and you need to hire someone, the first person you think of is that person who just like brought their full energy. And it's it's almost never the person that's like the most experienced or whatever. So I mean, it's great when it is, but I'm not saying almost never. It's just that isn't even like necessarily the, the main factor. The main factor is uh, are they competent enough <laughs> to get a job done? And are they gonna bring you know, energy and hard work to it. And it turns out that all that nonsense is really true. And I, it's happened to me a number of times where like I will call or call upon that person who I've maybe met that isn't as experienced. And so I guess that willingness to put yourself out there in situations that aren't gonna be maybe like paying off immediately as much, that investment of volunteering or working for a little bit less of a title or whatever it is that's your your dream scenario. If you find somebody that you're interested in continuing to work with, put all of your energy into that. And if you find some people who are just gonna treat you wrong, then just don't worry about that opportunity too much because it's not actually one you want. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you saying that. I and mean, I know it's, I, I kind of rail about, I rail against that all the time. Like there aren't seven steps of success because if there were, people just follow the, um, you know, follow the steps. But I, I do think that there's, there's, you do need to kind of pass on the experiences that people have had so that you can learn or that you need someone, there needs to be a process by which people who've been through something can pass on their experiences, not because it's a formula, but just sort of that, that there's an opportunity for the next generation to learn. You know, and for me, the, you know, I've always been drawn to doing film production, but just in like different ways. And, you know, I'm kind of of quote unquote of the generation where like I'm kind of annoyed that it's gotten so easy to call yourself a videographer or a producer. You know, you need two thousand dollars, and you you have a camera, and therefore you can do video, right? I mean, do you do you feel that that's you kind of I don't know. You, you went to school and you got a degree, master's in cinematography, and you have all this experience. And I and for me, like I don't ever begrudge somebody for not having the kind of experience that you and I have, but it does kind of. And you pointed this out, like things have changed. And so like, has it become easier or has it become harder? Because I feel like in a lot of ways it's become easier because with the, you know, the cheapness or the inexpensive equipment that's available. But I think it's harder because now I think there's so many people competing for it, for the role or for the positions in whatever production you're on that like, I don't know, do you, do you think that things have gotten harder since you've been in the business or you think that they've gotten easier to break in? Mm, I mean... It's gonna sound annoying, but I would say both <laughs> because I think you are right. It's much easier to make your own content than it's ever been. Getting anyone to watch it is another story. That's much harder. Similarly, it's easier to get access to the kind of information that you need to get skills, right? Like back in the day, uh, people hadn't put everything into uh, online tutorials yet. Like it just didn't exist yet. So you had to find other ways to get the information, not just the cameras and everything else being cheaper, but just even knowing. So learning on your own has changed. 
but getting in with a group of professionals really, I don't know if it's gotten harder or easier. I think it's always just hard to do. And it, it's, it's always that thing where you're not sure where and when it's gonna, what's gonna hit that whole, like the networking thing, uh, you know, that's kind of a misleading term because, you know, if you're like me and you kind of get hives when you think of the word networking, <laughs> then, then you just dread it and you're like, forget it. I'll just give up. I'm not even going to go into film. If I have to just do networking all the time, forget it. But sure. it turns out that just like living your life every day is actually networking. Yeah. So, so it's actually okay. So I guess when it comes down to it, like, are there specific things that you look for other than enthusiasm and know-how? And if it's know-how, like what, not to get too technical, but like, are there things that differentiate folks from other folks in your mind of like, being able to do the job on a, you know, on a camera crew? Well, on the note of the sort of like slightly uh, softer skills, I would say one of the big things that goes a long way besides just being like, just vibe with somebody or just be enthusiastic because even that is still like, okay, yeah, but that's that just either, either you're gonna get, click with somebody or not. However, there is one thing that can be really helpful, which is just, thinking about what you can do to make life easier for the people around you. And you will be beloved if you just, if your mindset is what can you do for everyone else to make their lives easier rather than like, what am I getting out of this? How am I going to move up? When am I going to get the next better job? Am I getting paid enough? Like, of course, you're going to think about all that in your head every minute of every day. But the actions that you take, like for me, that just there, you can always kind of like right away, there's sort of the groups of people who have kind of figured that out and the ones who aren't quite there yet where it's just and as a dp you know obviously my entire job the reason i get hired is because you know i understand that while i have to protect the image and do the best job in my department and everything what i'm doing is serving the story i'm serving the producers or the director or all of the above they're what they need is for me to do my job so that they don't have to worry about that and i can take that off their plate and that just goes all the way down the hill, no matter what job you're doing. In production, it's even more so. But in any position, like if you just go in thinking, okay, try and figure out as quickly as possible what needs doing or like what maybe <laughs> would be the most helpful thing to just like take care of invisibly. And you'd be surprised how much you're actually visible. You, it's, I don't ever miss that. I always pick up on that. And I love it. <laughs> no, that's I, awesome. Like, uh, I, I think that's like, you know, that's the bridge between, oh, it's networking and oh, it's like, you have to know your stuff. Like, you know, it's also really good advice. Like if, if you're if you're trying to be selfless and help others, there's an amazing karmic thing that happens, I think for sure. Um, so I'm gonna tell you a little quick little story and then it, it kind of like relay it to the question, which is, I remember right before I met you, I worked on something called uh, Next Stop Wonderland, um, which Renita, who was the producer of the film that we met on, was the was one of the um, issues and like you think there's a unit production manager for that one. Um, but I remember there's this uh, DP there, a female named Uta, and I was a volunteer PA, right? And I mean, I didn't know what I was doing. I just showed up and made sure that I was like, you know, did whatever I could. And so we were at this like, I don't know, like it was at this place that like, I guess turns off and on like the the Charles River so that things don't flood. Like, I don't know what exactly what it was, but it's like pipes and like all this stuff. And, you know, so, and I had never talked to this woman, Uta, ever in my life, but I knew she was because she was like 
you know, running the camera department. It was the director of photography, cinematographer for this like multi-million dollar film. Um, or maybe it was a multi-million. It ended up getting sold for multi-millions. Um, but the point is like, she was the most important person I'd ever met. Uh, and so, you know, uh, one day she pulls me aside and she sits me down and she's like, I wanted you to have this. And she gave me a t-shirt, like a Barbizon t-shirt, you know, like that, the company, not, not the hair company, but like the equipment company. Yeah. So it was, and I was like, and she said, I just want you to know, I think you're doing a great job. And I was like, and like, what's funny is so one, I have no idea why she gave it to me. Like I, I have no idea to this day. Uh, but what I think is hilarious is that, so one is that, I'll tell you why I thought of this later, but the, but one is that I realized that in my life as an event planner and really in my life as like kind of leading teams, I have this habit of giving away t-shirts to people like who I think are doing good. I was like, I wonder, like that must be where I got it from. But the reason why I, the reason why I thought of that as I was watching an episode of This Is Us and uh, you know, she was the, she was the director on that. So I was like, oh my gosh. So first of all, it was cool to see someone I knew go from being a DP in a very small indie film. Well, again, it depends on how you look at it. It was a million dollar film and multi-million dollar sold. And it was small at the time. And she went on to do like a really big national show as a director and make the jump from director photography to director, which is also a big jump. And let's not forget that, you know, uh, female DPs and female directors are still, you know, there's still not enough of them comparable to uh, males. Um, so like, that was always kind of cool, but like, it was just it was just one so here's the question is that one is do you do you find yourself having those moments and was there a time when you realized wait a minute i'm the like i'm the the senior advisor here like i'm like was there a moment when you realized that like you were no longer the one the student has become the master kind of thing kind of yeah it was it was really disconcerting actually <laughs> because it sort of sneaks up on you. Have you noticed that? Like there is a moment, there was for me a moment, but it had been building for so long that it kind of snuck up on me. And then, and then it was uh, yeah. kind of, uh, because you're right. Yeah, when you're working on indie stuff, you know, there's always the full range and tons of people will just show up and they're just there to help out. And uh, like, they're so lovely and you just have to tell them very specifically how to do things. They don't know anything yet and that's fine. Um, but then you realize at some point that you've kind of, made this this change and it's not just that anymore but that like actually now you're sort of like this i don't know the, the old wise one or whatever <laughs> you become the sage right. and you're like i'm not sure i'm ready like the first it's kind of disturbing because you're like that's for old people right um so yeah like when you're looking at your path i don't mean just like your jumps in career or like going from this to that but like your learning and your growth you know, you said you there were some moments where you realized that like, you know, it was on you or that you were a teacher. But can you share a little bit about like kind of how like what made your mindset minds what made your mindset shift, and maybe some examples of how you realized that you've you've grown or that you've moved on to the next level in your head of whatever it may be. But just like yeah, like I was this thing before, but now I'm fully aware that I'm you know the the, the senior advisor and I know what I'm talking about. Were there any moments that you can think of or kind of aha moments? I guess mm -hmm. that like I know there used to be like I'm sure if I weren't on the spot, I could think of several. The the one is of course um, just sort of like doing the move up from from camera operating to DP on the same show that had you know four cameras on it 
and uh, I was really terrified. And, uh, and it took a while, even after I started doing it. But the good news was that the, another, another person was also moving up at the same time in producing. And so we kind of bonded over the whole thing. And then, you know, several months later, we're working on this show together. And we kind of just like shared an exchange. Like we just shared this look, like things were gelling, you know, this one scene, like everything fell apart. Everything was just chaos. It was a nightmare. Everyone's freaking out except the two of us. We're just dead calm. Look at each other and we're like, look how far (laughs) we've come. I know that's not very specific, but it's just, it was like a moment of just being able to realize that in the chaos, we were going to figure it out. Well, and And I think that's the- Had that necessarily before and, you know, and I was just like, you know what? We've seen we've seen it all. <laughs> Whatever this is, we're gonna get past it. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the thing I was thinking about. Like, would your would your former self, like former self, would your younger self think that where you are now was unattainable? And the second part of that question is, and it, it, well, it could be a yes or no. Uh, and and but then the second part is like regarding where you are now are there places or you know a, um, a reality you want to go to in the future or like a job you want to have or like a something you want in your life that um either feels unattainable or you feel like you can get it because you have all your experience and your and your um you know just experience you, you know um yeah i'll just leave it at that yeah um well i would say some yeah that's that's a lot of <laughs> that's a lot of pie in the sky um <laughs> And just to just to throw back for one second to the whole like suddenly knowing you're experienced, one of the best ways that's happened to me, I don't know if this has happened to you, but like for me, I think there have been moments where I've been able to see like a newer, younger crew member freak out about something and be like, I remember when that used to make me freak out. Like when you have that moment where you can stay calm about a certain kind of crisis, just because you remember that, like, oh, I remember freaking out. Like I remember... I remember breaking into that flop sweat and just being like, this is it, my life is over. I'm never gonna work again. This thing happened, I broke it. Or like, I forgot to put media in the camera or some craziness, right? Yeah. And uh, now, you know, I've, I've seen that, like the camera assistant come up and be like, ah, oh, they totally broke the thing that we need. And they're ready for just like hellfires to like spew out at them. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> I remember this, it's terrible. figure it out um and of course sometimes i just like i have my freakouts but just to me that's like the moment when you can recognize your former self in somebody else and not have that same reaction of crisis then i know you've got like that's how you know you've you've got a little bit of experience that's really good yeah i agree i keep hoping that that's going to also happen with things that i do still freak out about well i mean i mean i think it does i just think that you know i mean i think I mean, just to keep it real, like the the things that, you know, the amount of growth that you you and I both have had in our lives is like, it's humongous. Like, it's like, we have, we're not the same person we were when we first met, right? And it doesn't mean we're never going to freak out about stuff, but like the amount of stuff that we don't freak out is like so much, like there's so much, like there's a giant list of things that we don't worry about anymore that we did when we were first trying, you know, starting out. So just, we, again, this is my point. We don't generally sort of think of it in retrospect, we think of it like where we are now and like, well, these are the things that are bothering me. I want to solve those things. And so that's why I was kind of asking the question, which is like, not just like, where do you want to see yourself in five years? Or like, you know, are there other goals you want to have? I don't mean about like, you know, if you want to like be doing bigger projects or something, but just, yeah, just an idea of like, when you think about all the things that you thought 
like would be so like beyond your sphere and maybe you don't have them but i did uh and i just like i i got them and then i was like ah well you know i mean it's you know i didn't get like millions of dollars but like the things i wanted were pretty seemed pretty unattainable and then i got them and now mm -hmm. i don't learn my lesson because like i still think that there's these things that are unattainable and probably in five years i'll be like yeah jed jed from five years ago was like selling himself short so i was just i was just kind of thinking about that and if you had any thoughts yeah no that's exactly that's kind of exactly it is like actually one of the things that i think about now that's not necessarily unattainable but it's just like it's actually more uh, reflexive. It's kind of meta in a way because what I really want to do is figure out why it is that I keep setting goals that I attain and then don't care about. And how can I get better at setting the goals in the first place so that it doesn't seem so boring once I get there? So I guess that's my question is like, do you, how do you set goals? Well, I guess I was going to say, I guess it depends, um, you know, how honest you can really be with what it is you want, you know, because a lot of times my goals were so um, sort of task oriented. And I kept, I kept doing that thing where you, you know, it's like you keep waiting for your, your life to start or to fall into place or for this thing and for it to feel like you really own it. I think it's just because of the way our lives are that like from basically our first memories, we're kind of, in, we're kind of like just shot down the chute of education. And so there's this like, structured path where everyone keeps telling you you need to do this to get to that to get to that to get yeah to you got to see that, uh, that mentality that there's never you're you're never supposed to think about now or about what is inside it's always just what you're going to outside and it's all oriented towards finishing this education to start your life which what does that even mean so you haven't been alive for the first 22 years of your existence that's a bummer yeah, so like i know this is getting like way off into no, perfect. philosophy land and yes maybe i've been spending a little too much time with the uh the brene browns and the simon sinek <laughs> Tim Ferriss. <laughs> oh no you're kidding me find your why i'm all about that i'm i'm listening <laughs> but i'm also looking online you're basically paraphrased one of my favorite stories and you know who's the guy i'm losing my mind right now it's not um he's a he's a famous british philosopher from the 70s who just or who, who's no longer with us um but he has like a famous um he has a famous hold on i'm gonna pause watts? no <laughs> watts yes is watts. it <laughs> yeah watts like his whole thing is like it's a racket right like it's you know, you first you go here, kitty, kitty, you go to kindergarten and then, then this and then you go to this, and you go to this. And like, I, I think that there's I mean, and that's a, it's a whole long, longer conversation of like, well, the easiest rebuttal to that is, yeah, because of capitalism, like you have to live, you, you have to do something to make money. And, you know, you know, so I guess what I'm saying is I don't believe that's necessarily the answer, but I'm just saying that whenever, whenever I kind of hang on to that, like I'm with you, I just need to find a way to pay my bills. And I haven't figured out how to do that without working a job that I don't necessarily love 100%. So yeah, that's sort of the thing is that like, you know, I'm, you know, when I talk to a lot of the people who say they're not successful, but I think they are, because it's all by comparison, like I want to live by the beach in Los Angeles, you know, working uh, freelance jobs. Um, you know, not doing production, but like, you know, doing my own kind of creative work. And there's a consequence to that, right? Like you have to, you have to find ways to make, make money that, you know, you can pay your rent. And, you know, when you are freelancing, it's harder to find work. And if you are like a creative freelancer, very often you have to deal with clients who either, you know, don't kind of share your artistic vision or, you know, are selling something that you don't necessarily believe in. So like, it's a very, it's, I 100% believe in what Watt says and what you said. 
but I think the thing that gets in our way is just, and it's fear and it's like a legitimate fear of like, well, I need to pay my rent. I guess maybe that is my trade-off. Like I really feel very happy doing the things that I'm doing. Um, but I just wish that I could kind of do it on my own terms a bit more. Um, so I guess my question to you is based on all the, you know, the, the Alan Watts thing of like, you know, going down the line from kindergarten to the, you know, till you're, you know, you're in your sixties and you're, you know, you've finally off the shuffleboard, but you didn't get to live. Like, I feel like you've done a pretty good job of finding that balance. Um, but I guess are there ways that you think that you could do more of that? And, you know, what have you come across any answers to that age old question? Um, well, I would say, yeah, I, I feel like I had gotten much closer um, in the last few years than I ever thought that I really would be actually to the balance because you're right, I do love where I live. Like I love that when I am home, I'm, I'm where I wanna be. Like, you know, going to the beach is one of my favorite things or going to a hiking trail that's 20 minutes away that's beautiful and remote, right? Yes. This is my dream, so that's true. And the bike trail and whatever. Um, that's part of the thing that's good. Um, the other thing is finally getting to a point, I guess financially where free, freelance work has been steady enough and paid well enough that I don't have that weird anxiety as much as I did when I started out. Um, and then the other thing, of course, is the time off. Like I truly, I mean, I enjoy the crap out of my time off. Um, I was talking, I think I was talking to you when I was saying like, I was almost feeling guilty in 2019 because I went on all these trips and I was like spending money traveling way more than anyone should in one year. I went Me too. all over the place. But and I was now- like, ah, Am I just doing too much like of, of uh, should I be spreading this out more? And then bam, the next thing you know, we're all locked in our houses for a year. So yeah, I mean, it so is, glad it is. I did. So that's the thing. Uh, I think for me, it's actually a little bit different for than it is for you because you kind of have taken the opposite path. For me, it's that, um, you know, I did choose to kind of, kind of combine what was one of my creative passions with trying to make a living, you know, doing this camera work. And um, so I succeeded in finally, you know, getting to a place where I can make a decent living off of my camera work and still feel like I get to have really fun times with cool crew people and all that stuff. But like my own personal, like I, I feel like I, I don't have enough that was for me creatively. And now it's like, now that muscle is a little <laughs> rusty, you know, that whole, that gear has rusted out a little bit. And I really feel like that was one of the things that went by the wayside more than it should have. And for some people, they find that balance right away. And I think that's where everyone has to have their own checks and balances of what really is important. And for me, I, I kind of chose to ignore how much I was giving away and not keeping for myself because it was like, it was really important to me. You know, I was one of those like typical go up and I want to prove that I can take care of myself and, you know, I can make it on my own. And when you're in a creative profession, profession, even if it is somewhat technical, it's still like we're in entertainment, you know, like there's some part of me that has that New England gene. That's just like, I got to show the parents that I'm not just a flake. I can really actually you know, I'm really doing something. <laughs> and that was too, a little too strong maybe because then I was spent all of my energy making that happen. And now there are moments where I will just purposely put down a camera or my phone or anything just to watch a sunset because I'm like, this one's for me. Nobody else gets this yeah. because I think I missed that out. I missed out on that a bit. So that's one of the dangers is like, you do want to work hard and you want to get recognized and you want the world to see it. And, but now everything is so mixed up with 
with branding and making money, just watch out to protect that little creative gushy center because it's easy for that <laughs> candy, to candy disappear center. or to be neglected. And it's really important not to let it go away. No, I was gonna say, so this is, this is what it reminds me of. So, you know, I, I realized that I have, I told my students a couple stories about, you know, uh, I guess I can't even think of them. In my mind, I've told stories about like that you've relayed to me um, about different experiences you've had in production. And what I find interesting is that like, you know, the, the stories that I kind of gravitate to, to share with other people and the stories that I think of when I think of you, like have nothing to do with like the things that other people think are fancy, right? Like I, I don't ever mention like, you know, I, I, there are times in my life where I've, where I've called Martin Scorsese Marty only because of you, because you, you know, you've worked with him in some capacity on set. And, you know, I, every once in a while, I forget that like, again, like you were within a hundred yards of, of Quentin Tarantino. I don't know who, even how close it was, but like, for one, I don't think of you that way just because like, there's other interesting stories that I have for you. But the reason why I mention all that stuff is again, uh, I mentioned this earlier in our pre-interview, but like one is that like, if you haven't experienced those types of things, then you're, you feel like those things are the apex, right? Like, like, you know, it's like the friends I have in, in Boston who like are more impressed by an, a background performer being in a scene with Denzel Washington than being impressed by someone who like how to coordinate a really difficult shoot like to me, that's far more impressive. Like to to put your creative energy on the line and your organizational energy on the line to coordinate like a complicated project is far more impressive than bragging that you were in a scene ten seconds with Denzel Washington. And like, I just don't think like that. Other people do. Like, more power to yeah. them. But like, I guess that's the thing is that you can't blame somebody if they haven't been there and haven't done that. And I guess that's sort of the thing is that like, one is, you know, we don't want to. Like we're told like this, this is success and then we get it or we, we come close to it and we're like, well, this isn't what we wanted it to be. So then we're left with like, all right, well, what is success? And the next part is that you then like, the next part of that is that you probably, we all do who is sort of who quote, quote, quote unquote are in the industry probably discount um, our success or the things that we've had to experience because one, like it isn't that big of a deal on a very basic level, but two, because like it's it's not all that you think it's going to be like it doesn't feel like it's a big deal to like you know if I were like directing a hundred million dollar movie that's different than me being on the set with someone else who's directing a hundred million dollar movie and people don't make that distinction so I guess that's the thing I'm asking is that like has has your as your definition for success changed and over the years and if so how uh, to a certain degree, it definitely has. I mean, I definitely was one of those like kids in film school who was like, all right, you know, the time, the clock is ticking. Uh, and I, I kind of bought into that whole thing where like, if I don't make it, whatever that I'm, I'm not even sure I remember what exactly I meant by making it because especially since I was doing cinematography, like, you know, a young cinematographer is like 50. So like, I don't know what I was thinking, but I, you know, I gave myself this timeline of like, you, you either succeed or fail by a certain point. And some people really would give up if they didn't get where they wanted to in like three years. And then, um, you know, so I did have this ambition and also that I had to be like, like the greatest. And then I started to realize like that that doesn't exist either, <laughs> especially when it comes to things that are creative. 
Um, but yeah, there was a little while where I was that much of a jerk. Um, I guess you have to be to start off and just like have any ambition at all, you know, like, otherwise it would be too overwhelming. So at a certain point you have to have that completely skewed vision of the world and yeah, but you, be on yeah. top of it because otherwise you won't even start. Yeah, so, but, but also it's because you, you, no one sits there and thinks what's outside of the universe. It's just this, like, this is the world that we're in. Yeah. Right? That's why representation matters. That's why like having good role models matters that like if if you don't like when you're younger your frame of reference you think is like forever but it's like really small like no matter how old you like no matter what your experience level is like just not it's it's different for different human beings but generally speaking if you're younger your frame of reference is smaller than your if you're older like not always the case but usually and like it's you don't sit there and think oh well you know the reason why things aren't the way they are because people haven't seen me yet but maybe you think that but you also don't sit there and think that maybe there's something to this like there's a reason why all these older people are acting this way that isn't like because they're all jerks right you just like there isn't a you're not given a reason to think anything different other than you know i need to be successful in 10 years because 10 years seems like a long time to me so like yeah. I, I don't I think that that and, and everyone else must be doing it wrong if it takes right. them too long. Yeah, and it's like <laughs> it's it's that's like a such I mean that's the way that I was and I just know a lot of people that's the way people were again and I guess sort of that's the thing is that given that you're not 24 anymore and that you're not out of you know out of film school just out of film school does your has your perspective changed not just like obviously because you you know you've had more experience but do you kind of feel that like that the world is more your oyster or do you feel like you know your time is running out which would be interesting because like if you thought time was running out that's what you're thinking when you're 24 so i'm just yeah i'm just curious well yeah that's one of the exercises i have to do though because it's hard to get yourself out of that mindset out of that like alan watts shoot even if you are mentally out of it and you know better like you can still find yourself kind of getting caught up and being like "Ooh, am i am I aging out of this or am I too old or am I not old enough still or you know what's going on you know so yes it has changed um and yes it also still haunts me every once in a while and also um it's just I guess I guess it's just one of those things where um you know after a certain amount of time some things like I when I was 24 yeah I did only care about spending my time making movies and doing that like that's it it's fine if I do nothing else and now that's just not true anymore there's other stuff I want to do so that alone makes a difference like if I'm not willing to spend 24 7 just trying to make movies independently for free or working on other people's movies or whatever else it is you know I want to go to the beach sometimes I want to like do stuff that's not that um that alone is already different but yeah, so there's all those things and it's impossible to tell that same 24 year old like, oh, uh, it's actually something that really does happen over time to a lot of people, not everyone, but to a lot of people, they just decide like, I've decided I wanna have more things going on in my life than this one thing. And apparently that was the only way I could do it. Other people figure it out early on. But I know when I was 24, I was like, you're a loser, you're giving up. <laughs> if you yeah. Do well, so, I think, I, I mean, a lot of people don't, they still compare themselves to others, right? Like, and, and I, I think the question is, are you getting better at it? And, you know, most people just sort of change their focus. They still compare, but, um, you know, and then we talk about, it's, it's the same thing. We were saying the same thing over, over, over and over again, which is that like, we forget to factor in the consequence. 
you know, like, like, you know, I, you know, whether you're someone who's like, you know, really successful in your eyes, like you don't know what else they're going through. You don't know what they sacrificed for that. And, you know, when people see what you have, if they've never been through what you've been through, either comparably or like, just don't know your, your journey, then, you know, they're going to, they don't, we don't usually factor in the cost of the things that we have. We just like, oh, I want that. <laughs> like, and I realized that that's the part of things that I don't want. Like I, I worked on a, on a production two years ago in, in, a, in Los Angeles, one of my favorite film lots that I ever worked on. And like, it was like, it was the greatest thing ever. Cause I just, I, I, for years, I just wanted to go back one more time. And so I got to it. I was like, yeah, this is not something that I want. Like, I don't want to be like worried about all these things that these folks are worried about. And like, I, I don't want to pay this price. I would just much rather, and know you were actually there for the example that I always use, which is like, I would just much rather make a movie. By the way, my most successful film, the short film that I've ever made was made for like, you know, nothing. I paid, you know, the camera person and, and my, maybe not even that. Like I, well, I did. Yeah, I did. I just, yeah. So the, 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 the film that has, that has gotten into film festivals for five straight years that like required the least amount of like technical, um, you know, that was the easiest film I've ever made that some people still don't like to this day who even worked on it. But like, like my metric is that I, I just showed it at a film festival at this, this like community film festival in Venice and you were actually there. And remember that I used all the time, but that guy came out, that, that young man came out from the screening and was like, oh, like, that was just blew my mind or like changed my life. I don't know exactly what he said, but like, like I'd much rather that than to say that, you know, I was, I was, uh, you know, the first AD on it. Like, and then there's nothing wrong with wanting that. I'm not saying that's the case. I'm just saying that for me, the price of like working on fancy shoots is I don't, wouldn't want it. I, I would rather do my own stuff and not have anybody see it than to work on someone else's stuff and have a million people see it. And that's not a judgment on anyone else, it's just a judgment for me. And so I guess that's sort of the point is that you have to find your, find things that make you happy and try your best to do them. But, uh, you know, all right, well, we've got on a, a, a lot here and you've, you've shared uh, quite a lot of insight and um, a lot of it about your fancy journey. So thank you so much for, for joining me. Would, would, you, would you be up for uh, a, uh, what do you got, not a recap, but like a, a check-in in, in 11.5 months from now? Yeah, I think that would be great. Yeah, kind of see where we are. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. And until next time or in a year from now, I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.